0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mythos Ragnarok. Mythos Ragnarok is the debut show from the Mythological Theatre, which is the production company of Ed GameStop, and we all love Ed GameStop, don't we? It tells the story of the Nordic gods' rise to power, from fighting giants in the nothingness of Gnungaga to their final great battle against the rival clans and each other. Unlike wimpy stage fighting where actors don't even hit each other, Mythos is performed by trained professional wrestlers who beat the crap out of each other. And it's bloody insane. The next show is the 10th of April in London. Presale tickets have already sold out. For so fear not, you can sign up for the next ticket release on Ed's website. Ed has also put together an amazing offer exclusive for listeners of the podcast. So head over to www.edgames.co.uk forward slash NMP and you'll be able to sign up for the next ticket release and save a massive 10%. Seriously, I'm lucky enough to have seen the show. And if you can grab a ticket and support Ed, you will not be disappointed. That's once again www edgames.co.uk forward slash NMP to sign up and save 10%. Right, let's jump into the show. Welcome to the Noddy Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farand, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvig.
1: Hello, everybody. We are joined by Rolf Vamin, who has just moved to Stockholm to do a PhD in maritime archaeology, but uh, has an MA in uh, prehistoric archaeology, uh, among other things, from the University of Copenhagen and has also been at the University of Southampton doing another MA. I'm sorry I didn't catch which one that was, (laughs) but uh, I'd love to hear more about that. And you are generally known as the weapons guy when it comes to, uh, well,
2: the past. So uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, Thanks for that kind introduction. Uh, Yeah, uh, weapons guy, uh, also known as shield guy. The shield (laughs) guy. Yeah, just just something with uh, weaponry that's quite fascinating because uh, mm-hmm. they are like tools for for something people have visualized, isn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
2: yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, they are, there is something very interesting
0: about, about weapons. And I think you might be unofficially the most mentioned person on this podcast without anybody actually mentioning your name because <laughs> Matthias has referenced your research on um shields so many times over the past episodes but we it took a little bit of digging to actually track down who the article was by in the end um and then as soon as we did we we're like we need to book you on the show
1: <laughs> exactly yeah your, well, your your reputation precedes you <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, yeah sometimes it's not a very good thing though you know no. <laughs> there's been uh there's, there's been many articles written about um uh, my research and some of it uh, is not so much based on on what i've actually written so i mean mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to vikings uh it's something people feel very very strongly about these things just have a way of yeah having it just has to has its own life in in the media
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah no, know that's, pop- that's definitely true Say, <laughs> uh, especially in popular culture it yeah. things things grow their own life i think it was actually one of our one of our fans who who Pop your article into our facebook group i think that's how it came about and we we found the origin of the the shield article that we were looking for
1: yeah actually originally i had gotten it uh the information uh sort of like a, a very very brief headline version of uh of, of what you had done from a danish tv show on vikings or oh. something that had to do with vikings that was mentioning um your experimental archaeology project on all of this stuff—I I can't remember. It's actually several years ago, so yeah. maybe you—you you, you remember better what TV shows you've been talking to. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, but you know they—they—they uh, have—they always have their own twist of things, and and of course, experimental archaeology is always um, the thing that's most like visually more, most interesting mm-hmm. for, for the public. But it's actually been like the least, uh, or just well, um, no, I wouldn't say a sm- the smaller, but it's put, been a minor part of the research. Because experimental archaeology is really about generating new results based on what you know already, and we we know quite a bit already if you just go into the into the sources and and and, and details.
1: So, okay, well, that's actually yeah. Let's 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 start there. What what do we know from the sources
2: about the use of shields? Um, well, um, I mean, you would have to look first at, at the archaeology, um, because that's way more sensible when we when we're looking at what sources are available. Because those written sources, there's always some sort of um, you, you, you have to be a little bit sceptic and uh, critical about reading those. But when you have the the archaeological material, okay, that's it. They, that's that's what, what there is. And so uh, you can actually reconstruct the shields uh, pretty in a pretty decent way and get a get an idea of, of the design. And uh, so uh, I might just have to describe it in in general for those people that don't know, but uh, the Viking Age round shield is is part of a long tradition, uh, which I've called the uh, Germanic flat round shield tradition because it's something that starts way before the Viking Age from the uh, early third century in Scandinavia. And then it lasts uh, through the Iron Age, uh, Viking Age, and in, into the Middle Ages. And then it's it's somewhat unclear when it ends. It seems to fusion with something we call the bucklers, which are these small sh- round shields. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has a very long, long tradition. But during the Viking Age, uh, it was a a a round shield with a central handle that usually uh, would span across the, the the total diameter of a the shield. There's some exceptions, of course. Um, it was thin, usually composed of maybe seven to nine planks, uh, and then covered with uh, some sort of hide uh, product. Leather.
1: How 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 big was this uh, um, shield in terms of like? covering the body like what could you expect for
2: yeah about uh somewhere between 70 and 90 centimeters is is probably a a a good estimation of this Um, but it's it's quite a large shield um but it's not an extremely large shield Mm -hmm. so i i would describe it as a multi-purpose shield which can be used then for um Defense against javelin throws or missile attacks, but also in close quarter combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, then later on, uh, there's lots of stuff happening with the weaponry technology. You get more armor, heavy infantry, and uh, and then you get these specialized shields, which which are then like bucklers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it,
1: it, correct me if I'm wrong, but the bucklers they're usually used with a some some sort of like
2: uh spear or or longer uh weapon right it it, it can be anything really okay. um yeah the the earliest uh, fencing manual that we have uh existed in in the world uh the 133 which is in the at the royal Armouries museum in Leeds, uh that's from the 1320s there you have a buckler with very uh and and a sword and okay. very specific details about how to use this in latin mm-hmm. together Right, What's the sort of buckler mania?
0: Mm-hmm. For um, I guess for for people listening and and me, I like to hide hide my silly questions behind pretending it's for everybody else. Um, so buckler are they the are they the ones that are like a almost like a dinner plate size? I guess that that seems to be on the hand. I can only think of seeing them in Gladiator. Um, I'm sure someone has one in Gladiator. And they, they kind of
2: they're they're
0: almost that. like a, a small shield that looks like. It's too small to be
2: a shield. Why are you holding that silly small shield? Yeah, yeah, it's it's something like that. It looks very small, and and in Scandinavia, there's like um, uh, just around the twelfth century uh, or so, there seems to be uh, some sort of shield that lies between a buckler and a round shield. It's not quite a round shield, but it's not quite a buckler either. But uh, mm-hmm. so so it seems to diminish in size at that point. That's but- interesting. Yeah, but there is, there is a buckler mania uh, in the high middle ages. Okay. Um, and everyone are fencing with these uh, across Europe. So I wouldn't say that it's the same tradition, but it seems to fusion with that here in Scandinavia, probably okay. because you had the existing technology here already, which was the, the round shield. Well, I, I'm curious about one thing,
1: just going back to the origin of, of the, the these round shields. Do, do we have any indication of why all of a sudden these Germanic/ slash Scandinavian tribes or whatever you want to call them, start using these uh, shields? I, I assume that some of the first uh, archaeological examples that we have of these are like Iop and, Odale and and such collections. Yeah, it's,
2: it's exactly that. Idel uh, is is the first or the earliest finder. Okay.. Here. Uh, why they start using that? It's difficult to say. Um the ones before there are these uh, so-called Celtic shields, uh yeah. that are more uh, rectangular, like, right? Yeah, or have a like a long shape, mm-hmm. um, which are known from York Spring, for example, mm-hmm. uh in Denmark. Um but yeah, these, these round shields, uh, maybe it's just their multi-purpose uh, uh, use that um uh, that, that's effective or deemed effective for that age, but at least it seems like the germanic peoples across these many centuries they thought that it, it was a good sort of basic design mm-hmm. interesting yeah it seems,
0: it seems like the, there must be some reason to make it round i guess because if you were making a shield surely would be easier to make it square yeah um, that's
1: what i was I, fishing for is like what but what, what what could could there be some kind of like like <laughs>
2: Broader logic to it, or or something, shield, kind of yeah. shield, shield ball, shield <laughs> <laughs> ball. Uh, well, they're, they're not, I wouldn't say so good for, for that sort of stuff, but um, but they're good for active use because it doesn't matter if you hold it uh horizontally or vertically, you still have the same coverage and you can you can use the shield, um, active in that sense and still have mm-hmm. the same amount of protection. So, if it's uh, if it's long, then of course. There's lots of gaps suddenly when you turn it, you don't have mm-hmm. the same problem with round shields okay ah, okay so that 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 could be one suggestion or one interpretation
1: yeah so so and just for you know everybody who's listening who might not be totally clued in on 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 why it's so interesting to talk about these seals uh I mean one of the things that you're sort of known for having found out uh possibly is that maybe these seals were not used for a shield wall and as far as i understand your main claim and that is that well the seals would not actually have been able to withstand uh the kind type of attack and pressure that would you know happen on on a shield wall like they would be too uh, frail for that
2: I I I wouldn't say so uh, explicitly. Um, okay, <laughs> that's my my
1: bombastic interpretation.
2: Um, well, it's it was also this was partially based on on one experiment we did with the best knowledge we had back then. Uh, since then, we've also made the most authentic shield possibly front, uh, since the Viking age, uh, and that can actually with withstand quite a bit. It still shows that uh, using it passively uh it it gets a lot more damage than if you use it actively but it can withstand quite quite a bit of damage nonetheless but that doesn't change the fact that the shield is held uh in 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 a central handle and it seems to be uh uh, designed for a more active use than for example a kite shield or something like that which is strapped to the arm um or these convex shields Mm -hmm. which are meant to then cover your your body which and, would be and, like the typical roman shield right yeah for example something like that uh, or if you look at the late viking age you, you see from the bayou tapestry you have these kite shields yeah yeah uh, those right. are like strapped to the to the forearm as well but that's not the case with round shields those you just hold by the handle and there's actually uh, some sources uh, from uh, from the uh, icelandic sagas describing how you should remove like straps so you can so you don't get stuck in it. So it seems to have been used quite actively in that sense. Okay, there's yeah. also various descriptions of how you uh, have it at an oblique angle um, relative to your opponent, so you're not facing him flat on with your with the face of a shield, but at an angle, mm-hmm. uh, which seems to be helpful in deflecting blows as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that sort of active use too.
0: Yeah, you could. I guess you could jab, jab with it as well. You could because it would hurt. It's a big lump of, big lump of wood.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and just to, to build on that, they, they seem to be uh, commonly understood like as a as a passive sort of weapon. But yeah, you can use them to to hit people with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found one reference uh, also. It's it's a kenning. It's a sort of poetic description of a shield. But there, it's called a uh, murder wheel. Which I oh, was.
0: wow. Yeah. That's, <laughs> there you go. that's what I'm going to start calling all shields. shield.
1: Murder that, I mean,
0: that would suggest that you are going to beat someone with it as well as, um, but yeah, I mean, for me, if I was to have a shield, I think I would rather one that I could hold and then drop if I had to rather one that was sh- kind of strapped and lumbered. So it seems like they were maybe made for, for attacking on the move, um, which I guess... Would, would well, yeah, that, that
1: actually—that begs the question that 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 Kim is, uh, has thrown in the chat here—is what Rolf thinks about the shields on the sides of the Viking ships, um, and and their usage in that context. Um, and I think this is how most people actually know about these round shields, like any Viking ship replica or you know just you know, popular version of a viking ship has those like round shields on them so so what's the deal with that like can you can you give us a rundown of that
2: yeah um it, it's it's very odd how how they they're they're such an iconic element these round shields like they show up every, everywhere in the iconography and all especially on ships and you have them also described in various ways in in the saga literature um but it's, it's not a very good way of sailing with these shields on them and, and, and rowing. Um, mm. And they've made some tests, actually, at the Viking Ship Museum in uh, Roskilde uh, with these. So it's, it's really, it's not very practical to have. Uh, unless, of course, you're just about to beach um, or uh, you're engaged in a naval battle, then it would make sense to put these shields up. Mm. as extra protection. Now you have a description also of them in um, uh, Eric the Red's saga uh, where where they put them up. On uh, one of the ships recovered, uh, Viking ships then, uh, recovered from Denmark uh, at Skuldelev, uh, Skuldelev 5, which is displayed at the Viking ship Museum in Roskilde. Uh, you have part of the rack or the list where you put these shields um so that's that's preserved on the ship okay um so yeah it it's a real thing but then the context where you would have used them so that that can be disputed oh so
0: so would we know how how they would actually hang on the side of the ship because i always wondered that you always like if you see like a little drawing of a of a a Viking ship, there's the the shields on the side. I'm like, well, yeah, but how are they there? What they are they? <laughs> yeah, what are they in? Do do we know? Like, did they have like little hooks to hang on? Did you have your name tag on it? Uh, like, how did it how did it work?
2: Um, well, with what, what the what the tests I've seen and based on 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 that ship, for example, it just seems to have been enough that you you would put it in the rack. Uh, then it goes about halfway down, and then you can secure it with the handle. Uh, on the rope uh, oh, okay. and this also seems to have been how they were put in on the uh, gokstad ship
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and the gogstad ship is of course a, a burial uh, it's a burial context, but the setup seems to have been the same and uh, based on the excavation reports this was then excavating in, in eighteen eighty but there are some some detailed reports about how the shields were found in relation to the ship and it, it seems that the the weight of the mound has Crashed in, uh, causing half of the shield to kind of collapse into the into the ship itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, e- even well, there they seem seem to have stuck to some somewhat the same principles.
0: So I guess you wouldn't have seen the whole ship from the outside like you do on pictures. You would see the top half of it, and the bottom half would be kind of hidden by the the racking system.
2: Yeah, that that's that sounds reasonable to me. Something like that. Mm -hmm. oh wonderful so what i mean what do we know
0: for sure about shields i guess like what do we from the arc you said about you know mainly on archaeology what do we know have we found a full ship a full ship a full shield sorry or i imagine that's a hard thing to get because it's all organic
2: material yeah 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 returning to that question i wasn't completely done actually far from done (laughs) but (laughs)
0: <laughs> we we'll, uh, we're, we're going to go all over the place cuz I, I this is a topic where i'm just going to get distracted and ask a bunch of different questions
2: uh yeah i mean what you find usually are shield bosses um so so that's that's the the round metal part in, in the middle for those that don't know that that's what survives mostly in the ground mm-hmm. for about a 1000 years um then nails and some sort of metal fittings which are rare uh or more rare at least they survive also sometimes um but the organic parts the, the wood and the hide components uh they're usually gone like far mm-hmm. gone yeah it can be very difficult so uh but some of the earliest the earliest find that was the, the Gokstad ship which i mentioned and uh, the remains uh, of 64 shields were found here um and that kind of shaped the understanding of what a shield looks like, but that was then based on these early interpretations by Nikolai mm-hmm. Nikolayson, um, and 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 there are some limits to to the to the details he could look into there. Um, so, yeah, and then there was a a, a round shield found in Denmark uh, recently in two thousand nine or ten, I think. Um, and there most of the wood was preserved as well Mm -hmm. Uh, but other than that uh, it's mainly fragments uh, that that have been found but some of these um, then then there's of course one shield outside of Scandinavia but dating to the Viking Age which is from Latvia Mm -hmm. and that's like the most well preserved shield from prehistory I would say Um, so that's completely preserved with uh, wood and uh, two hide facings, uh, shield boss, which is uh, which is uh, of of wood in this case, um, but then it also has a layer of some sort of vegetable uh, vegetable layer in between, um, probably some grass or something like that. Uh, so I'm having that analyzed soon. Um, but but there was what, this. What would be the the purpose of that? Um, I I think it was some sort of um, a measure to to well for extra padding, basically take some of okay. the hits away, like a little shock absorber. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Something like that. Interesting. Um, yeah, they it's would... it's quite odd.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like so when we think of as modern human beings who watch a bunch of you know movies that are, you know, highly fictionalized uh, versions of how, you know, a battle would take place and so on. I think it's, I think, it, you know, wrapping our head around how these weapons and guarding yourself from these weapons would work is, it can probably be a little difficult. I mean, for instance, what we usually see in, in, you know, you know fictional uh, depictions of, of battles from, from back then, right? Is that somebody has a sword and, and shows up and then chops up somebody's head and then that's fine. And that's definitely not how it went down, right? <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. that, that That's a very sharp sword.
2: <laughs> they <that laughs> can just do that. <laughs> true, true. Uh, and there's all sorts of interpretations. And uh, I think also what we should be careful about is saying that there is such a thing as a Viking fighting style. Or uh, medieval fighting there were many many mm-hmm. uh different uh kinds of people and approaches to warfare uh different fighting techniques so uh it it's and and the the material the sources themselves are so uh varied uh mm-hmm. i don't think there's any reason to expect that there was some sort of uh unanimous approach to warfare at all no. right i think but, i
0: think it's so easy and and people fall into the trap all the time of trying to just assign singular things to the Viking Age of like this is how they thought of anything the runes in general like it's not that simple you know that you're talking a big geographical location and time you know three four hundred years so it's not just a case of one thing one size fits all mm. um, one one more question I I have on shields before we before we get distracted too far. Um, do you think there would be, would, would like a, I guess an army make just a, a bunch of generic sized shields and you would go and pick up a shield when you went to, to battle? Or would you have your own shield? Do you think that was specific for you measurement wise? But I, I asked because I, I tried, to, I well, I did make a shield, whether I made it correctly or not, I don't know. But I, when I was reading, they said something about how it should be. Your shield should be like elbow to wrist times two plus two inch or something like that, and and I don't know where they got that from, um, but I wonder if there's any truth to it. I guess
2: no, there's there's nothing that indicates uh, that, or or there's no evidence for it. But uh, it's a it's a very good question. Uh, I don't really have the answer. Um. <laughs> um but it seems to have been a specialized crafts uh craftsmanship making the shield mm-hmm. um so I, I i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if it was made by order um but because it also it's a question of getting the right materials for it as well um what, yeah, but it's what, it's what wood thing. would
1: they use typically? Do do we have any indications of that? I mean, obviously, we, we don't have like a lot of, of wood left from the, the Viking Age, but
2: uh, uh there, there are some some uh, that we know a little bit more about, um, mm. and uh, because we can also analyze fragments, right? Um, so it seems to have been so that coniferous softwood, uh, that, that was the most popular. Okay, uh, but there are even examples of oak. Oh, uh, interesting! Yeah. yeah, and that must and, have
1: been heavy, though, right?
2: Yeah, that that probably would have been a little bit heavier. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not it's not that weird when you look at older periods uh, in in the uh, in the Iron Age. So uh, there's also oak and and uh, and hardwood. So mm-hmm. it depends really on what you have in the area. I think
0: yeah what's what's available i guess
2: um yeah another another question i guess is do we know
0: how heavy they would be um asked it in the chat and i also want to because when i when i made my shield i fucked up um i i just i just thought well, i'm a big guy it'll be fine so i i could only get hold of 22 millimeter thick um i think it was a a pine that I used. So I made it to the dimensions that it said, um, and it was 22 million thick. And the thing is fucking heavy. Like, I, can, I mean, I can lift it. I can hold it for five minutes or whatever, but I wouldn't, you couldn't do anything with it. I wouldn't want to like fight with it. Um. So yeah, I wouldn't like. Have
1: you, have you considered that it might just be your expectations then? <laughs> that maybe they, maybe they did carry a bunch of heavy shit around when they fought. <laughs> I
0: bought the, <laughs> this thing's heavy um, I know I was just I, trying to put you down a little bit <laughs> I know I know but I'm not I'm not a small human per se so it's it, I was surprised how, how heavy it was and I think the again I'm guessing the, the manual that I followed isn't the most accurate um, but they said like 19 millimeter thick was the was the right thickness um again it seems like they probably was making this up for idiots like me who wanted to make a shield. But yeah, so I was like, oh three mil extra. That's no problem. But apparently it it actually was.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh it, it, it makes it makes a huge difference. Like any sort of little weight that you can that you can uh, shave off, then do that because it gets it gets heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh that sort of stuff, especially if you're using it for uh, longer periods of time. Um, so, th- I mean, th- there's only one way to kind of test this and make sure, uh, you have, uh, that, that you get an idea of how, how, uh, how heavy they would be. Uh, and that's by making uh, some reconstructions and, uh, I've, I've done my best to make an authentic one based on new data. Uh, and we've done everything, down to the smallest detail correct uh, based on my own examinations um, and uh, previous research um, and our lightest was uh, 3.8 kilograms uh, oh. so that's probably a fair estimate I would say well that's uh, that's very light <laughs> this
0: one I made, is like 20 kilos <laughs> 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 well, I don't you're <laughs> to lift the thing <laughs>
2: So uh, this was uh, yeah, and th- there's there's people who would go for much much lighter, like almost two kilograms or something like that. So there is a debate about it. Um, usually, uh, this has has to do with the way they train or the way they interpret training. That then they make a shield that fits into that. So I, I went the other way around and I've just gone into the sources and with the new data uh, and that seems to be a reasonable weight 3.8 about that. That's so light.
0: Yeah. yeah I feel like and, I could throw the, that like Captain with- America. <laughs> yeah.
2: And, and the way you get that is by, by, uh, uh, you get a lot of the weight away from shaving some of the wood, uh, just, just getting, uh, getting it trimmed down at the edges, for example. Um, so you can get quite a bit of weight, and anything excess in iron and stuff like that, uh, just remove it.
1: Mm. So, so it would be th- uh, the planks would be thicker towards the center and and thinner towards the edges of the
2: sword. It uh, will shield well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's it's probably it's not it's not inaccurate to say uh, I think about one centimeter mm-hmm. uh, around the center, and at least what I've observed on the uh, shields from Gokstad is that there's an extremely complex way of tapering it. So there's actually two, two different tapering systems on, on the shield towards the edge. One starts about seven centimeters away from the edge. And then uh, there's another one that starts about three cent- two, three centimeters from the edge. So th- it's actually something that they paid a lot of attention to.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: no that makes that makes
0: a lot of sense probably is to get rid of that that way because i guess a direct strike would probably come to the middle because you would assume you'd be able to get it up, and the edges would be kind of be coming down into the the shield like laterally is that the right word does that make sense that like you'd be coming like down into it rather than uh, across adjacently. it adjacent yeah adjacent mm-hmm. yeah um so-
2: There's there's some there's some actually some theories about why it is like that. One is also that it's easier for the blade to sink into the shield, to bite into it, Uh, and then you there's ways of disarming the guy. Of course, yes. So so there are there are some references to that in the historical sources too. So that's one interesting take. Another, you literally
1: catch catch your opponent's weapon in your shield.
2: Yeah, and, and it, it's actually quite detailed. Some of these descriptions, how you rotate the shield, and he loses his sword, for example. Yeah, um, yeah. But this versus,
1: gets, but that's, that's that's like the game, right? With with the with these weapons and defensive armor and so on. It's it's constantly, you know, a a like you're 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 moving between what is most efficient in killing your opponent and and what is and how can you make. Your all this material that you're carrying lightest and strongest at the same time, right? So there's a lot more uh, finesse
2: really that goes with it, right? In in so yeah. many ways. Yeah, in so many ways. It's it's really like Viking Age round shields are, are still pre- uh, perceived as just simple, you know, uh, simple shields, you know, not the most complex of things, but they pay, like, like with their ships, they pay a lot of attention to the 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 resources they use and how they use the actual craftsmanship to shape these. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems like everything's thought out because even then with you saying you know if something gets stuck in it, you can twist it. But that go, that goes with what you said earlier about not being strapped to your arm. Because obviously if it's strapped to your arm you can't you can't twist the shield, you can't rotate it 180 degrees, whereas if you're just holding it, yeah. you can. Um, so it seems like the, the really Thought about it, I guess it's not just some barbaric round shield because that's all that they can make. Yeah, exactly. So,
2: just some thought. And, and one additional thing which, which you get from tapering the side or, or the edges is you get a, quite a balanced shield and you don't have this extra weight at the ends, which, uh, which make it difficult for you to maneuver with it. Of course. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. Um, broadening the conversation a little bit to, to more aspects of the defensive armor um what else like if we were to sort of paint paint a picture of a of a viking going into battle what what would this person have been wearing otherwise um because you know uh, in popular fiction what we see is you know it, this this weird armor and in, in vikings that i'm just like what the hell uh, <laughs>
0: Le- <laughs> they always have the leather armor yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> just gonna mention it uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily describe them as leather-wearing um, Vikings with mascara and tattoos and mohawks. Um, oh, shattering
1: uh, our dreams here, man. <laughs>
2: uh, it depends entirely on what status, uh, what region they're from, what time period we're talking about because um, uh, a Scandinavian warrior at the end of the Viking Age is def- so much unlike uh, a warrior at the beginning mm-hmm. uh, usually we we're talking about heavy infantry uh, at the end of the viking age and these are the ones wearing uh, kite shields and uh, right. mail armor and that sort of stuff
1: mm-hmm. and helmets and all all the gear
2: right exactly yeah, yeah. all the all the heavy infantry gear lane axes um, and that sort of stuff uh and begin beginning of the viking age well Uh, probably there were some heavy infantry uh, warriors as well Um, but it would be probably uh, more likely that you would have the use of light infantry troops um in in these early plunderings for example Mm -hmm. and a a broad spectrum of uh or different kinds of people
1: okay so so basically more of a ragtag army than than something more like, streamlined and well
2: organized. That that could be one way to put it, at least for for some forces. Yeah. Uh, then there's some that are probably much more uh, uniform in 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 the gear. Yeah. So you, you, you can't. I mean, you th- can't say for sure.
1: No, th- th- I mean, this is really interesting because what we see in the the early examples that we mentioned before, like O'Dale it's like literally. Uh, like almost akin to going naked in the battle, like they're just wearing (laughs) wearing their flax clothing, and then they have a shield and a spear, and that's it. (laughs) Really,
2: yeah. But but even in these uh, Roman Iron Age finds, it's it's amazing the amounts of uniformity in the equipment. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there seems to have been some sort of standardization already there. Um, So it's not it's not like evolutionary linear progress i mean sometimes it's more uniform in certain regions and sometimes it's just you know very different tribes mm-hmm. so um that's the the best answer i can give That
1: <laughs> right That um, i mean that goes along with uh, pretty much our podcast motto it's complicated
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so it, it seems i guess they would they would have had different attire for the circumstance as well because i guess if you were on a raiding mission you would probably want to be quick and lightweight whereas if it was a a war you would probably be heavier
2: equipped is that right yeah yeah i would say so um okay. and and depending of course on on what sort of uh, status you have how much wealth you have there's um uh, at least in the norwegian law text there's also um laws about what you should have um uh, of of uh, of equipment depending on uh where you are in the social hierarchy right yeah so that also pays uh, i mean what are the society's expectations to you
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah okay i
2: i'm, I'm going to pause back to shields cuz i'm still not done
0: with I'm still not <laughs> done with shields yet and then we can <laughs> we can move on to everything else um okay Back to back to my manual of shield making that I had there. It, well, I, I'm just going by. I, I You're trying to figure best. out if you
1: got scammed.
0: That's what's oh, happening no. here. I didn't pay. For, I, didn't, I didn't pay for the for the oh, manual, okay. but I figured this is this is the best way we can kind of work through step by step of what's accurate and what's not. Um, so we have the shape. We have it tapered, which I didn't do, which is why it weighs so much. The next thing was that they said put um, like a leather front to it. So you'd cover like the front in a in a leather and then wrap the circumference with rawhide. But obviously you'd wet the rawhide, nail it, nail it in, and when it dries, it kind of pulls and binds all the shields together, giving it extra strength. Is that accurate? Was that was that something that we that they would have done? And and sorry to add on to that, if if there is the leather on the front, what would be the the benefits to that? to so just having
2: a plain wooden shield yeah um there's been so many uh thoughts about what you you should cover the shield with uh some very very early experiments they uh they showed that it should be covered with something because Mm -hmm. uh shooting it with bows and arrows i mean just splinters right away so uh, the general in- interpretation has been that it should be covered with leather or rawhide or gut, um, but there's been no um, empirical evidence for any of those until uh, I, I launched a project together with the, the School of Conservation in Copenhagen, Moscow Museum and Aarhus University, where we took samples of some of these uh, rare, Finds where where the hide was preserved on on the on the shields, and so we conducted uh, various microanalyses on these uh tested them also with the help of SUMS, uh, which is a way of determining the animal species, and we got actually the results uh, so we now know exactly uh what it was composed of uh, and the ones from the Viking age which we tested. One of them was from Birka in Sweden. Uh, there, the fa- front facing uh, was tanned leather uh, of sheepskin, and on the back, and then around the edge, it was also tanned uh, cow leather. In this case, hmm. but uh, this was actually a completely new method for determining determining that sort of stuff because there is a there's a vast difference between rawhide. Uh, and leather uh, mm-hmm. parchment for that sake. so um, and and even in in the archeolo- archaeological literature, it's uh, most often ignored and just called leather, everything. So everything's called leather. Uh, but it really was the plastic of the Viking Age uh, leather. You can make, do so many things with it. So it's a really important element. So uh, I would say that the rawhide on the edge, um at least based on what we have of evidence that's wrong. Uh and uh, then it would also most likely have to be covered on the back as well with the letter. Okay. okay. Uh, but again these are these are some rare finds and there probably were uh all sorts of ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um but but that's that's what the data says that we have now.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean I, I did watch a video when I was when I was making it, and and someone was testing kind of a a plain wooden shield and one wrapped with leather, and they they did seem to be a huge difference when hit with an axe or a sword. The 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 plain wooden one just kind of splintered and fell apart, and the leather
2: did seem to really make a difference. Yeah, um, there, there's and and the the leather itself that can be uh, really um interesting because it's it's made in it can be made in very various ways but the way we made it with traditional tanning with birch bark that gave it a really odd uh quality so it's not it's not soft leather like you buy in the store in a modern store Mm -hmm. but it has this kind of mushy uh, quality to it Mm. so when we conducted experiments then uh Went very well together with the rest of the design because when you hit it or you attack it with a blade, uh, it partially absorbs some of the impact at first, and that causes uh, that makes it very difficult to get a good blade alignment. And then there's a delay in that sort of uh, energy transfer, and so the shield starts rotating before you can actually get a good impact into the uh, materials. Hmm. So it's really, really uh, frustrating. We we hit it with uh uh two-handed axes as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh but the, the letter really made a difference. Oh, that's that's so interesting. To,
1: like, I mean, they it's really like a situation of these people having thought thought it everything out here, like in terms of you know, creating the best defensive weapon as possible.
2: Yeah, uh, and as I said, I mean it's just uh attention to uh, the source material you're dealing with mm-hmm. um so the it's it's, it's the plastic of, of the viking age uh, yeah. leather so and they probably knew a lot more about how to shape it and form it uh than than we do with with our techniques
1: i was going to ask you one one thing um so for instance what we know about uh the, the ship construction is that they uh like they had a very specific way of of creating the planks, right? They would not uh, break the uh, what do you call that the um, the structure really of 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 how yeah, the, the fibers the fibers, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, yeah. Uh, so that you know it would be so much more agile uh, the the plank and the ship in general, right? Is that the same with the uh, the shields?
2: Yeah, it's exactly the same. So it's cleaved um, and. Mm-hmm um so not saw or anything so you you preserve the best strength yeah
0: so, and, yeah, so you, yeah so you would go with the grain rather than the-
2: exactly yeah. yeah yeah and and not only that but you also pay attention to what sort of timber you're using so in in the ones uh in the shield remains we have from uh, the earlier periods we can see that it's actually uh, it's slow grown timber so um the the uh, the grains are just maximum two millimeters apart. Okay. And that is, that is a huge difference uh, to just like uh, fast-grown timber. Where so so uh, so this is
1: basically a situation where you would have some guy <laughs> who's like who knows exactly what tree to go look for out there.
2: Like uh, yeah, or at least they know that it's slow-grown or it's 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 mm-hmm. it's, it's an old tree.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm just getting like this Mr. Miyagi kind of vibe from that situation. <laughs> like, okay, but when I were like, that.
0: yeah, when I visited the the church in Norway, the Heddle Chir- Church, mm-hmm. Heddle Church, Church, yes, and um, the, there's a, a guide that took us around, and he he was talking about how they would have planted trees like 30 years in advance something knowing is that was he just bullshitting me or is that something that we because kind of, that just reminded me of it then when you said about the slow grown timber that the, they would kind of plan ahead and and put, would they have like a little area they would farm from and uh
2: cultivation uh yeah there, there's been attempts of of, of locating or, or proving that but there seems to be some some sort of cultivation at least of um of trees that that doesn't surprise me that much um I mean, like there's been cultivation
1: of various trees and plants uh, across Europe for for (laughs) millennia. So sorry uh, at that point. So yeah, that makes
0: sense. No, but I guess knowing not because if you planted a tree and you knew that in thirty years it was going to be useful for somebody making a shield, you're almost certainly not planting that tree for yourself you're You're very much thinking of the next person that that comes along, and what's the stop you obviously know not to cut it down after five ten years when you still could probably use the wood to to make something from, so it's very much a, a foresight of knowing the best wood
2: yeah, and uh I would say also a certain a, a certain uh, dedication to your society or culture mm-hmm. stuff so, but i I can also give a, a An interesting example uh, that uh, Danish people would probably know about when uh, the Brits they came and they took all the Danish naval vessels uh, in 1807 Um, then the Danes they uh, planted new trees to build new ships and so in the 2000s then uh, the trees were ready Uh, (laughs) so they sent They sent uh, a message to the government that now, now the trees are ready for building new
0: ships. (laughs) You can come back and
2: you can get us.
1: Yeah, I think it was in two thousand and seven. The Danish Forest Service uh, called up the the navy and was like, "Your trees are ready, boys."
0: (laughs) Wow, I wonder if they still had to pay for them. (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Yeah. You want to get paid if you've been growing the trees for that long, right? <laughs> yeah, two hundred years of waiting. <laughs>
1: I mean, hey, man! At least we can build a fleet the same size now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it does. It shows the the foresight, you know, thinking, thinking ahead, thinking of the next person, which we unfortunately don't do so much these days. Um, so it's nice to nice to see. So, is there anything else we need to know? about shields before we move on to other weapons i particularly want to see if you know any horror stories from weapons because you told me earlier about the the crossbow that i have here how apparently it's some people they used to snap on and crush their heads so i want to know more things like that
2: well i can <laughs> tell you some horror stories about shields uh
0: oh there we go <laughs> uh,
2: yeah there's always some good stories about that um but there are of course references to uh, to these uh, shield biting uh, berserkers right. um yeah and, and there's also some some that are kind of mocking berserkers a little bit or half berserkers kind of wannabe berserkers and so uh, there's an account where where one one of these uh people is biting a shield like as like a berserker would and uh, then another guy just kicks the shield up into his teeth, so breaks his jaw. <laughs> oh, that that sounds
0: like when when somebody's having a drink out of a bottle, and there's always that asshole that like hits the bottle at the bottom and it cracks the tooth. I've seen that on like Instagram, those Instagram videos, and that feels like the the laddie thing to do back in the day. You've got that one mate who's like fucking kicks it, doesn't think about it, and. I there.
1: I I love this. this this is a perfect mental image for me It's like that that, that asshole who thinks he's so
2: fucking cool <laughs> he's just coming here biting his shield and he just kick it right up in his face <laughs> and and this whole shield biting is also yeah. quite weird because I think um at least in in the uh in the Iron Age there's, there's uh, also paint on the shields which are actually toxic like uh cinnabar which is like quicksilver uh, mixed uh, red paint, and so I'm wondering if they would ever bite into that sort of stuff. Uh... Well, maybe that's where the madness comes from. Then <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Mad Hatter syndrome,
1: right?
0: But I get that—that's that, what I was just thinking. It could be a similar thing. I guess if it was toxic and they were, yeah. I mean, but how how I... quick would it? How many times would you have to bite it for it to have an effect? Maybe
2: I, I, I think you just die. Uh, (laughs) I haven't tested it myself, but um, uh, yeah, the whole berserker thing, there's a very interesting, uh, well, recent in archaeological terms, uh, there's a recent PhD um, dissertation written by Robert Dale on berserkers, Mm. and so he has a new interpretation of uh, what this kind of frenzy is um and he he's also compared it to what what you call it um uh haka uh this sort of right. performance yeah yeah uh, so oh, we
0: we actually had him had him on the show to talk about talk about that so yeah we, no. uh, we did an episode with him was it late last year yes yeah, um, yeah sometime in the fall yeah so anybody yeah. that wants to listen to that you can go back and kind of scroll through our back catalog and, and find that with with Roderick Dale, um, Roderick Dale, yeah, Roderick, I, I, yeah,
2: yeah. I can highly recommend the dissertation as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Everybody should read that. Uh, it's mm-hmm. a new interpretation of burr circus, which I think deserves a lot more attention. Yeah, I very much agree with that.
0: No, they were definitely fun episodes, and I pr- I probably tend to agree with them that a like a warrior dance mm-hmm. would be, it would make sense. Just high hy- hyping everyone up. Um, okay. Any more, any more shield horror stories? I guess before we. Oh, there's
2: plenty, but we can move on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Matei, is there anything you wanna, you wanna move to? I mean, I, I I'd
1: love to hear a little bit more about um, how widespread are swords as opposed to axes and you know various kinds of of. Of um, um, d- offensive weaponry in in the Viking age, like uh, what is your take on that?
2: How widespread it is?
1: Yes, yeah, so, I mean, for instance, one of the things that I I think you know, first of all, the Dane axe is very often associated heavily with the Vikings, and you also have the smaller axes that are associated with you know this is what Vikings used. Um, so then over time, you've also seen uh, Viking warriors represented as uh, people who were carrying swords all the time, and so on. So it's like, what what is your take on all this? Like, what what uh, what should we expect from a from a, a Viking attack? What would their weapons have uh, been? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, again, this depends very much on on the time period and people and, uh, uh all the social constraints that that society uh, is acting under. And these constraints can be technological, economic, or just ideological as well. Um all these things they, they play uh, play a role in it. Um but generally speaking, uh Danaxis, which they are relatively well known for, that came at the very end of the Viking Age, where it seems to appear around 950 AD, mm-hmm. thereabouts. One of the one of the earliest examples, uh, I think, is actually uh, this uh, birka, so called birka warrior woman, uh, mm-hmm. which has received a lot of media attention. Um, so I think I should mention her since it's International Women's Day. Yeah. Uh, oh, there we go. So uh, yeah, it's 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 an in- interesting burial. Um, I think we should go away from calling, or we have actually moved away from calling. These sorts of graves warrior graves uh, we call them burial graves which is the more correct term uh since you just need another layer of interpretation on that mm-hmm. uh but yeah uh, she she ha- she's buried one of these uh danaxes and it's one of the earliest i would say mm-hmm. um, so
0: for people listening and again for me um <laughs> what's what's a danax what would constitute a danax and, and again if, if with her being buried with one, is it purely an offensive weapon, or could it be used as a, a tool around the farm for for chopping wood?
2: Yeah, the the, the great thing about the Dane axe is that they were really talking about uh, a, a a killing axe, uh, not a tool axe. Or we can be certain that it's a it's a, it's a weapon. It's really thin. Uh, it's about it could be about five hundred grams in weight, uh, but it, it's just made for for killing and of course it's not uh it's gonna be very heavy to go with it with a tool axe but people have probably had these multi-purpose axes in in battle uh and some that are more maybe a, a little bit less like tool axes um there's also some smaller axes uh which probably could be interpreted as uh battle axes as well but the Dane axe, uh, there's no question about it. When you find one of those, okay, then you know it's it's a battle axe. And it's used with then two hands. Uh, based on uh, iconography and the available archaeological data where the uh, shaft is preserved, then uh, it seems to have been on a relatively short shaft of like 90 centimeters. So it's not like these three meter long axes that you usually see in... Uh, uh, Reenactments, circles, or something Mm. like that. Yeah, they
0: always—that's what I was wondering. They always seem to have a really long handle. Whenever I see, what? What about share
2: of the of the head? Um, it's it has these. um, uh, It's 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 pretty broad. It has a broad blade, um, and then the edges uh, can go out to what they call horns, uh, but it becomes more prominent later on. Uh, mm-hmm. So it goes through various stages of development, also during the Viking Age, and then uh, it's also used later in what we call Denmark then the the, the Middle Ages. I
1: mean, this this is what in in the old Nordic languages is called a skekker, right? The the beard, basically.
2: Um, like like that, for instance, no, in Danish, we have yeah, yeah, that would be the bottom part. But then you also have this top part, which can be right. used uh, for stabbing as well. Yeah. So it's a really nasty kind of multi-purpose battle axe for yeah. chopping and stabbing and pulling. So yeah. uh, some of the Icelandic sanghas also describe how you how you pull the leg from behind. Uh, for example, if, if you missed targets, or or uh, there's another account describing how you. Uh, you pull it and and it gets stuck in the back of the opponent's neck. You pull them towards you, and then your friends can mm-hmm. stab them with all sorts of nasty okay. things. You can okay. also use it to pull down a shield going back to the shields, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's very useful in that sort of context too.
0: Yeah. Okay. I I thought a a bearded axe and a Dane axe were different in shape. Um but I could be completely wrong, which I usually am yeah. <laughs> but but i thought i thought a danax was like an uneven fan i guess it's like a fan shape but i guess i like want the bottom is a bit longer than the top but it kind of was like that kind of shape and then but then the beard but the beard axe was had like a it was pretty flat at the top and then he had like a very prominent beard but i thought the the danax kind of this was kind of the same down but is that is that wrong? Have I actually been wrong about that
2: all this time? No, that that sounds uh, like a good description. Um, so it has these um, parts extending in both directions. The day next time,
0: yeah. So like like you would get the top part that's a smooth curve up. The bottom was like a smooth curve down as well. Yeah. Whereas the beard axe has like a very prominent, I guess beard because it's called a because it's called a beard, and you can hook. Um, was with, with like the with the beaxe earlier were they were they used kind of
2: that that was earlier yeah uh, but uh, it continues on uh, during the Viking age um and there's various types as well those mm. so so
1: um you're speaking in very general terms about uh, uh, you know what kind of weaponry they would have based off of well for instance such things as the economy of, of the individual, the society, uh, locations, you know, all that stuff. Um, one thing that I have read about, uh, swords is that they become more prominent through the Viking age. Um, and also that the quality goes down. Um, is, is this something you can confirm in, in terms of uh, sword usage among Vikings?
2: Um, partly, uh, I mean, there's also evidence of some swords uh, having what you call more of a status role, still functional, Mm -hmm. but more of a status role because they really want maybe a fine inlay in it, something like that. Um, But generally speaking, uh, then the the sword would belong to the higher levels uh, of society being a much more expensive item. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's various, uh, of course, various um, levels of that too. Um, so it's it's a very fine uh, craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. And many of the finer blades, they would then be imported from uh, from uh, modern day France, uh, Germany. Mm-hmm.
1: It's a uh, uh, it's interesting because you know sometimes in popular culture you you get people who who are definitely Have like the wishful thinking about Vikings that they had sort of like samurai kind of swords, you know, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. that they they, people who want to mix that idea into it. And uh, I don't think that that's exactly the picture that we're seeing.
2: (laughs) No, no. Then there are, of course, some that are very fine quality, like Mm -hmm. uh, very homogenous steel. And of course, there's the Ulfbret swords, uh, uh, which are quite uh, well known. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I mean, the quality varies uh, immensely, but there's still lots of studies to be made on this. Um, there's new techniques now, uh, so hopefully we'll see a lot more studies into it. But previously, uh, you had to do these destructive uh, analyses to take samples out of these artifacts, which is not really so good for, for the artifacts themselves.
0: No. Right. Yeah, I yeah. So the off swords. Now, every few months, a little meme comes up on Facebook saying how these swords were made using some technique that they didn't know about, and they're far ahead of their times and whatever other bullshit we see. Um, it, I, I, were these swords that amazing? Or, or I think Matej spoke before like, that maybe they weren't particularly that good, or there was a lot of copies. Um, yeah, it seems like this sword for some reason has caught on in people's imagination as some legendary sword. that's... so I think some people are like they're still sharp now. The ones that they have found um, <laughs> and that kind, of, these kind of claims you see thrown about very wildly.
2: Um, yes, it's uh, it's it's. Uh, I won't say I'm an expert on it. There's uh, people who are a, a, a lot more knowledgeable about about this sort of thing than me. Especially, I would say uh, blacksmiths—they uh, know this a lot more because really I have to go into the details of what uh, what these are, what these consist of. Uh, but if you're looking at Oldbret swords, uh, they seem to, um, at least many of them, have this very high, high carbon uh, percentage th- in them and very homogeneous uh, material, and that's what makes them uh, so exceptional compared to many of the other swords. Uh, but even within those that are called Ulfbert and are spelt in the right right way, that are not forgeries, there's also some variation. So I wouldn't say that they're these fantastic legend swords, but uh, some of them are extremely high quality, and some that you don't see many other places.
0: Mm. Yeah. Do. Oh. Mm. The with something i guess like you said you're not really an expert on it but i can't help but but think do you do you think that the ones that have like the high carbon content it's by accident or do they know what they can you do that i'm can you do that by accident or do you do you think they're specifically aiming for that because they know that's kind of like the sweet spot for
2: you that's probably something that's done intentionally when it comes to this sort of um blacksmithing then you really need to know what what you're doing mm-hmm. um otherwise just the the, the wrong uh, carbon percentage can can mess it up and it can become brittle and that's what you don't want what, what some of these sorts
1: so so um ali is asking in the chat if if, if this is like uh if they're using the democene, uh technique or uh, metallurgy technique on i don't know how you say that in English really <laughs> but to, is, uh,
2: is that what we're
1: talking about here or 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 is it, it is there... um
2: no there there's some uh, people usually use that word um there's some um issues with the terminology uh okay. so I, I don't want to go too much into that um uh, so i I've, I'd rather not <laughs> <He's that> like... <laughs> I about... because no. i know i'm gonna have some blacksmiths that are gonna contact me afterwards and say that's okay. not what it is. <laughs> do you
0: do you, okay? Do you know anybody who specializes in these swords, and then we can contact um, them and see if we can get them?
2: I've I had a, a good collaboration with a Blacksmith Tord Bergelin, um in Sweden from Thor's Forge. He makes axes and swords, so he's also uh, done various experiments with these sort of Ulfbert type ones, and he has some quite interesting ideas there. Um, then uh, there is of course uh, Peter Jonsson also uh, a very well-known swordsmith. Mm-hmm. But I, I would really talk to to the people who who make these sorts of things, uh, mm-hmm. who who know the craftsmanship behind it. Sure. Yeah. We will
1: uh, we will contact you for uh, for uh, uh, details of those guys. Yeah. yeah uh,
0: sure. Sounds- um, <laughs> yeah. So so I guess in popular kind of culture TV shows, whatever. It's the axe. The axe is very prominent with with Viking iconography. They they're always carrying this this axe. The the throwing the axe. Firstly, mm-hmm. um, so like was the throwing of the axe ever a thing? Do we know any kind of example, any evidence that that happened? Um, and then the other thing was like, was the axe really the primary weapon? Is that like the go to thing?
2: why would you throw away your weapon i was just thinking that <laughs>
0: it's like sounds like a bad idea <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> because he looks really cool when he goes well and the guy <laughs> flies back like vikings you know he, he gets hit with the axe he, he falls back he's dead <laughs> nobody else comes and attacks you watch your whilst you're going over there and picking up your again.
2: Like, yeah <laughs> uh no but it, it seems to come in the wrong order though because um uh, well, I I asked the question of why would you throw away your weapon? Well, spears and stuff you can throw at your opponent. Then, t- then you can grab um, a close quarter weapon like a sword or an axe. And so, I, I'm not aware of any descriptions of axe uh, throwing, uh, but there are some descriptions of an axe being hidden behind like a, like a shield, and then yeah. you can grab it. Um, so there's stuff like that, but. Not of any gotta, throwing axes, I'm afraid. You've
0: got a backup axe. Yeah, no, that makes
2: I, perfect sense to
1: to to keep an extra weapon in there, right? Um, yeah, I and mean, the smaller I, axes would pr- be I, perfect for that.
0: I yeah. heard, I heard the axe throwing comes from lumberjacks, and whether this is true or not, I don't know. But apparently, it comes from lumberjacks when they used to have to pull things like maybe this is back before machinery would fell a tree, and they'd have to like carry it out, so they throw the axe from tree to tree so they could use both hands to to move and and have maneuverability a bit easier. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's kind of what I read. I might have butchered my, my memory of that. But it was something <laughs> to do with that. And
1: it's not just like the axe throwing comes from like, you know, stereotyped European descriptions of Native Americans throwing tomahawks everywhere and and then we applied that to the to Vikings in the TV show.
0: I don't I don't know, but it. I don't I, I just remember read like reading it at some point when I was going down a rabbit hole of wanting to know about axe throwing because I'm an obsessive <laughs> I'm an obsessive maniac and if I put my mind to it, I'm like, oh, I want to throw axes now. Let's research everything about axe throwing. I mean but
2: it the, looks cool. It's exactly,
1: so cool. it looks cool, and you know, you can you can get the I'm pretty sure Plenty of dudes throughout time have gotten the idea, hey, let me try to throw this axe in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether or not it was in battle, that's another matter.
2: But speaking of axes and um, the the various, uh, or or, or the economy, uh, there's always this tendency to think of axes as just very cheap weapons. Uh, And of course they could be. Um, I mean, it's cheaper to have an axe Uh, than to have a sword made just a lump of iron on a stick Uh, Mm -hmm. so a spear or an axe is just fine you can take uh, your working axe and maybe use that as well but then in the 10th century there seems to have come also a certain status connected to axes and some of these axes are very very fine and uh, can be decorated with silver and um, all sorts of other stuff so uh it seems to have gotten some sort of status at least then
1: yeah um yeah that's right um yeah and i guess uh are we seeing particularly good uh iron quality coming from scandinavia in general in
2: this time period anyway uh better than in japan better than okay <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> that's interesting. i mean uh, well you you there's always this thing with you know a samurai sword, and but that just comes, and has to be folded so many times. You know, mm-hmm. so that's very fine, but but uh, it's also uh, we have much better quality of iron uh, here, oh. so it, it doesn't need the same treatments to get the uh, impurities away. Okay, interesting.
1: So I mean that that's that's the type of iron that you're getting from the bogs that you're saying is
2: better quality um, for the axes. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, here, are my lack of knowledge of where the iron for those axes come, or for the axes swords come from. Uh okay. yes, but 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 it's it's quite it's an, it's it's a, a quite an okay quality at least for uh, for bosses at least.
1: Okay. Yeah.
2: Um, the problem with some uh, bog iron is that uh, there can be some impurities, or it, it can be very hard to get a some homogeneous material out of bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh impurities in it so um yeah,
1: that that's sort of like what? the standard stereotypes uh, uh, uh information i think you kind of get from uh when you're digging into it at least in, in a scandinavian context is like the, the bog iron that scandinavians had at the time period was kind of shitty so that's why they gravitated to getting you know source from france instead and, and that, that kind of stuff but <laughs> Maybe that's uh, not as,
2: as. It's also about what uh, technology you have available, because mm-hmm. it does take uh, quite a large uh, deal of skill to to make like good swords, and uh, in that sense, uh, uh, one-edged like swords, CXS. Uh, there's no problem with making those here in the uh, in Scandinavia, and they've done that for for many centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's also a Simpler sort of geometry than uh, these double edged swords. Right. Oh, that so makes sense.
0: Were they, were they close quarter weapons or were they just tools,
2: CXs? Um, you have to go a little bit further back in time to look at them. Uh, so if you go into the Germanic Iron Age, there's no question about it that they, these are like weapons and you have everything from small CXs. Uh, sucks, uh, and and they grow uh in the course of the Germanic Iron Age into long, long weapons. Some of these are like one meter long, uh, I have,
0: single-edged. I would say I have a replica of the 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 one in the Thames.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: That's fucking huge.
2: <laughs> they so, they that's can't like a cool one. huge, yeah.
0: That's a that's a sword. That's but that's exactly. what maybe. Seven hundred millimeters long, seventy centimeters, which is a long thing. That's why I was wondering whether it was like a a sword or a knife.
2: It's somewhere in between, probably. Uh, uh, That looks like a sword to me. So
0: that, yeah, it does. Yeah. And if you put two of
1: them together, it's scissors. (laughs)
0: Okay. Yes. Hence hence the name. Hence the name. (laughs) Is that is that true?
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) 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 Oh. No. No. <laughs> 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 uh, but in Norway, uh, those, those, in the Viking Age, those long uh, single-edged swords are uh, more popular, um, it, at least in the beginning of the Viking Age. Uh, and there, it looks like the same ones uh, as in the Germanic Iron Age, the end of it, but it now has these, um, the, the sword hilt to it. So it's like a proper sword, just single-edged. And, mm-hmm. and those those were weapons, uh, no doubt. Yes,
1: and just for reference, the word scissors in English comes from Old French, and it's just derived from the Latin word for cutting.
0: I knew that. I was just playing along. <laughs> 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 All right, before before we wrap up, um, do you have any interest in? I want to know more horror stories <laughs> regarding like axes, swords, any cool kind of. Little bit of information of I know we 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 know of the the Repton man who got his dick cut off somehow. Yes, um, anything like that. A poor
1: tools. poor Viking on Foon in Denmark who got his dick cut off, or or you know ended his days in a similar manner as as the as the guy from Repton.
0: <laughs> Maybe it was the same. he was, the same guy who did it to both. Like that was just his mo. It's I, I just... think actually
1: there there is some kind of relationship, um, maybe not with the guy in Repson, but uh, but there's a there's a uh, familial relationship between the guy who died in 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 Foon and, and some his cousin or brother or something in in uh, in England. The filed teeth guys. I I can't remember the story correctly.
0: But... There's one bastard Saxon just out there cutting off IQ dicks. <laughs> like that was his thing when he went to battle. <laughs> And you, had like a little, you had one of those necklaces that you sometimes see with like ears or teeth on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's uh, really nothing like uh, or, or, or nothing compared to what you find from the Mesolithic period uh, where you have uh, some, <laughs> uh, you have, well, you, you think of uh, farmer cultures as being quite peaceful. Um, but you have the first culture that's coming into continental Europe is called the Linearban Keramikkultur, which mm-hmm. are this farmer society uh, going into Belgium and France and so on, where you have hunter-gatherers. Um, and so what you find there are sometimes these mass graves. And uh, one in one place, um, in, uh, in Thalheim, you have also uh, these nests Two nests of like skulls that had been placed there uh, as as if it was like a bird nest, there's like over thirty individuals that have been gotten uh a, 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 a hit to the back of the head so that is quite a quite a gruesome scenario
0: yeah just so so they so they decapitated everybody
2: and then just put it put in, their- a, in in a nest.
0: Put their heads together.
2: So people well, then, have been very nasty towards each other for a very long time.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean the Gauls in, in what is now France, right? They, they they had a tendency to build build towers of, of the skulls of their enemies, you know, <laughs> that kind of
2: stuff. Yeah, the, very, very nasty stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, people yeah. aren't very nice, are they sometimes? And I mean, we do also have, if I remember correctly, we
1: do have a couple of uh Skulls and other bones from you know, Danish sites uh, from the Neolithic period. I think it is where they yes. definitely been eating them. Right? Uh,
2: there's there's at least some um, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Uh executions. um executions. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just seems to be a lot more a lot more violent place after the Neolithic. So mm-hmm. There's something about when you start claiming land and um, farming that just has a tendency of generating more violence
1: yeah yeah i think I think we know that that story <laughs> quite well yeah. over here on this continent
2: <laughs> And I Deep think up. we can uh, we can see it uh, even now today, uh, especially here on the continent, where people start claiming lands and things just get go horribly horribly wrong mm-hmm.
0: people are bastards people are Um, assholes it's it's a thing there we go let's (laughs) let's wrap this up this was uh this is a lot of fun um so the the shield guy from all the previous episodes now has a a name and a face attached to him as well (laughs) (laughs) um Rolf, thank you thank you very much for taking the time to come and talk to us do you is there anything you want to shout out or plug or point anybody in a certain direction to to read anything you do i don't know how much you want people to follow you on instagram or not
2: yeah uh well i i can mention that we have a uh, facebook page uh for the society for combat archaeology uh where we have okay, also joining a- that where <laughs> we have a whole uh, photo album also about uh shield reconstructions and lots of data on original finds uh from various members um so frequent updates there uh you can go visit that cool if only i'd known about that when i made my shield <laughs> 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 you wouldn't
0: fucking wear <laughs> like 25 kilos or whatever it is
1: uh Mateus, where can people find you well you can always find me on instagram just Type in my name. It's just Nordvig, and you'll find me there. Of course, you can also find me here on this podcast in our special episodes for Patreon supporters, where I I do the Q and As and also all the other. um, We're going to resume story time, right, Dan?
0: Yes, Yes. Um, Jonas Jonas is back next week.
1: How wonderful! I've I've been missing him. So you can, of course, also get access to the story time um, and a lot of other fun, extra material in different ways. So uh, don't forget to basically spend the amount of money that it, that it costs to buy me a cup of coffee to ask me questions once in a while.
0: That's it. Yeah. yeah. So after this show, we're going to do a Q and a where anyone who's posted on Patreon gets to ask you any question and you have to give them a detailed answer. <laughs> uh, any, question? Oh, any, <laughs> any question is how I advertise it, so you better deliver. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can support, yeah, follow us on Patreon, our Nordic Mythology podcast on Instagram, Facebook, um, YouTube channel, and just leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. It helps us kind of bump up the charts. Another night, just keep keep listening. We we appreciate it, and it's. Uh, uh, and I
1: promise I'll work on my my sales speech for the <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> extra shows for the Patreon supporters.
0: <laughs> no, it's all right. I got you. I got you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. Thank you so thank much. You. Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. We'll let you know when it's when it's out as well.
2: That sounds great.